0: Leslie, I have been looking forward to this conversation for so long because, you know, for the audience that doesn't know, you and I have been friends for a really long time. We first met, I think it was like we were trying to figure it out eight to 10 years ago. And you've just been someone that um, has made a big impact on me. And I, I shared that with you earlier that you are um, our, one of our Sprout avatars. So every time that we're building out something for our community, we always say, what would Leslie think of this? And so I'm just super honored that you're taking this time to to hang out with me today. Absolutely. I'm excited. You're one of my favorite people. (laughs) Well, good. The feeling is mutual. And so I think what would be really great is, you know, I wanted this year to have more people on the podcast that were in the trenches for years that have been through all different types of property management And I know recently you just you're making your exit out of property management, at least for the time being, but you've had a really long career in multifamily housing and could you kind of just share like a little bit of a brief overview of some of the highlights of your career sure so i started as a leasing associate i had
1: sales background which i think um is a huge thing when you're getting hired into this industry you know it's all about people and selling um so i started with the hayman company in night in 2020 i'm sorry 2001 okay i think it was and i sat as a leasing agent did a little traveling for them uh was promoted to assistant manager. Um, worked through assistant managers with a f- couple of companies. And then I went, I got promoted uh, to a, a manager. I think it was like 12 years ago. I can't remember. Um, and worked at different assets. One of the first assets that I was ever a manager at was a D property. And it was very, very cash poor, struggling. Um, and I worked my way up through their, you know, Ds, worked up to Cs, started, um a little bit of B's and then really found my niche in the A market, the luxury market.
0: And you really have done a lot of lease-ups as well, right? Or you've Uh had several Uh lease-ups and been very Uh successful there. You know, um, what advice would you give somebody that is wanting to grow in the property manager role? I ask that question and I ask you that specifically because I've seen you grow in your career. And I know from the outside that you are somebody that takes in as much knowledge, as much learning as you can what would you say to somebody that's like, okay, I want to grow. Maybe I'm not a property manager yet, or I am, but I want to reach that A plus property level. What are some of the tips you would share? Ah! <laughs> okay, I love it. But you brought props. This is the first person that has brought props to my podcast. So I, lo- I love that. Um,
1: you know, that was valuable advice given to me when I first took a jump to another company to be a manager was don't look back look forward. Um, And my very first um, boss always invested in me and invested in that knowledge. And I think that is the very first thing that we have. And we have such an amazing resource within our multifamily community that I think it's integral. You have to know what you're doing. You have to know the A to Z of it and never be willing uh, or never forget to, you know, learn you know, and you learn something every day, whether it's from a team member or a resident or your supervisor, Um, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a website you follow, you never quit learning. And I think that when she instilled that importance of knowledge into me, I think it really was the reason I was successful and able to take the next step and not be afraid.
0: Yes, and I think that you were always front and center at any training, you know, trainings that I attended, trainings that I was given, trainings that others our colleagues were doing. I always saw you front and center. And then what was very different to me is, you know, even in a lot of sessions that people would attend, I'd never see the implementation. But because I knew you personally, you would say, I tried this, this didn't work, or this did, or we're working on this. And so has that always been something that you're like, you're, are you quick to implement?
1: I do. I tried. Um, I was really wanting to bring back, you know, not all of our team members can go to all of those fabulous seminars, especially TAA, where you learn so much and you learn the new innovation and what's happening and where multifamily is going in the next year or the next five years. What do people, you know, what do they see us? Where, where do they see us going? And you can't lead a team or bring your property into the next level if you don't know that knowledge. So I always wanted to go back to my teams and say, hey, this is what I learned. What do you guys think? Let's look at this example and let's see how we can make it our own. And um, my teams really appreciated that. And I think all teams do. When their managers come back from some of those seminars, you feel rejuvenated and refreshed. And it's like a reset for you. And I always used that. And I think, you know, we were able to be very successful at some of my deals just because I attended TAA and I got so much from that.
0: That's a great plug too for TAA, for all the apartment associations, because I do think it's like you're filling your cup, you're getting inspired again. And sometimes even for me, it wasn't that I was learning something that I've never heard. It was a new perspective that got me then inspired to re-implement it again. So I love hearing that and how you brought it back. Because a lot of times people think, oh, that's such a huge investment. And it is. But if if they have a manager like you that brings it back to the team, you're really spreading that cost across the entire team. So it's minimal when you think about it it like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my question for you, cause I have seen you do this. I've been in a situation where I know as the manager, you're at the center of everything. So I know you're answering to ownership, to your supervisor, to your team and to your residents. And a lot of times you were doing that from a construction trailer <laughs> when everything was dusty <laughs> around you. How do you balance it being that kind of nucleus, the core as a property manager? And just give me some kind of like, what was your strategy? So, I'm not
1: sure that I really know what the strategy is. And um, to be quite honest, I think property managers are always in that fighter mode. And you do what you have to do to get it done. I think managing all of those people's expectations is number one. And I didn't learn that far, in, like right at the beginning of my management career. It took me probably up until five years ago to really understand how to manage you know, my super, my, my supervisor that was asking for this, my owner that was asking for this, you know, my team members who needed me. And I decided that before anybody comes the resident and, you know, you, you have to manage that expectation too, right? Because there can be those residents that take up all of your time and want you and only you, Uh but they ultimately are why we're here. We're not, you know, yes, we're here as, as, the manager. Yes, you have to manage that financial. And yes, you have your boss and you have to implement your company, you know, what your company is asking you to do there, you know. um, But what's most important is that resident. And then I think managing the team and making sure that you're empowering them to manage it when you have to step away and you have to get those things done that you have to get done. Yeah. Um, and I also think having that open communication with your boss, you know, um, I've been very fortunate to work under some really great people who empowered me to make decisions, but a lot of times I needed them. And, you know, the communication and letting them know, hey, listen, I know you asked me to get this done today, but this, this, and this, and this are, is what's happened this morning. And I'm not sure I'm going to meet that deadline because these are things I can't delegate to somebody else. I think you talked about that this week. Mm-hmm. On one of your um, yeah. Instagram stories, is you have to delegate, you have to get done what you have to get done, but you're one person, and I think everybody needs to remember that. And as long as you communicate and you're reasonable and you try your best and you get it done, in you know, understanding there's a deadline,
0: yeah,
1: understanding somebody needs an answer, um, but but delegating and prioritizing, yeah, I think it's very important.
0: You said so much so I want to unpack a couple of those things. The resident, I love that because I think when you take care of the resident, a lot of things take care of themselves because uh-huh. then a lot of the th- you know ownership they want they want their asset to produce financially, but if you take care of the resident, usually that's a byproduct. Not not always everything goes like that, but I think that not forgetting who our our real, you know, our customer signs the check and not forgetting that I think is huge. But the second thing you said I've been really working on that right now in in content I'm creating because I've been on the Facebook groups and I hear so many people say, my corporate doesn't know what the heck we're going through. They're asking all these unreasonable things. And my question back is, are you communicating those challenges? Because like what you said, you're only one person and I very rarely met supervisors that if you presented it in a very logical way and said, hey, I've got this, this, and this, what do you want me to make priority? Is that report needed today? They might push back a little, but there's very few that I've, at least in my career, encountered that when you frame it that way, aren't willing to work with you to get to the end goal. Have you found that to be true too?
1: I do. I think communication is key with your regional or your, you know, your supervisor. I think that you know, oftentimes their plate is really, really full
0: Yeah,
1: and they delegate things to you or ask you to do things that maybe they could do themselves, but you have to remember they're being asked out of five assets or seven assets in some cases. And, you know, many of them will understand and will actually help, you know, they might start it for you and say, okay, I've got you to this place. Now you can take it across the finish line. Um, And others will say, you know what, I really think this is something that you need to do. And I know you have all the information I can wait till tomorrow morning at 10. Right. So you get up early, you get your coffee and you knock (laughs) it out in the morning when you're fresh. You know when your plate is not as full and you get it to them
0: yeah i think that's a skill set i would have loved to have learned as a manager earlier is how to you know i felt like i was always real good at communicating to the resident but with my supervisor sometimes i struggled because i wanted to do it all and never let them know i was struggling and i'm i like you i think it wasn't until just a few years before i left my role as a property manager that i feel like i got that task like i got that thinking down that said hey they're on the same team they want to reach the same goal Even personalities clash sometimes, because they do sometimes. You're not the same. They might be like really hard driven or just maybe not tactful, but you kind of learn that too. Like, okay, I I can present this because ultimately they want ownership and management to be happy too. So I think that's great. Um, Property management is never free from challenges. What do you think some of the biggest ones that you've had to overcome were when you were as a, a property manager?
1: Um. You know, quite honestly, I think I'm going to answer for the majority of our industry that are sitting in that property manager role. I think work-life balance is something that I struggled with. I remember having coffee with you one day and I was like, can I do this? And I was in tears, you know. Um, You have to learn what's important in your life. And yes, that property is number one. And it is so important that you do a good job. But your health and your family and your loved ones are number one too. Yeah. <laughs> so I they're think the real they, number one, right? They like, are the real number one. And you know, you want to do a great job. And I've seen a lot of, you know, even my regionals who are just at the point where they're not able to help us because they they don't have that work-life balance. Right. Um, most recently, I worked for a company that truly believed in it. And I saw that my regional there was much more, she was able to help us because she was given that support on the corporate level of a work life balance. So I think that that is really, really important. I think it's a struggle we all struggle with. I don't know the answer to it. I'd love it if somebody found the answer, they would make <laughs> We'd so be much great. money. <laughs> Um, but I do, that's, I think what, what I struggled with the most.
0: Yeah, I I'm with you. And that's what I see. And talking to clients, I don't think anybody's immune and even me like owning my own business, even though I'm not in the trenches, it is still like a weekly struggle. Like some weeks I feel like I put a check Mark in the like personal life. And some weeks I put a personal check or a check Mark in the work life. And sometimes very rarely they both get a check Mark. And that's, it's like this constant, struggle. But I think you said it perfectly is that it you have to set the example too for your team. And so when the regional or corporate does that, um, part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast is I want to be that advocate, I want more of us to be the advocate for talking about that, that it's like, we need that. Um, we need those boundaries. And, you know, saying to your supervisor, Hey, you know, when I don't check email after work, or at this time, It allows me then to make sure I'm taking care of things at home. So when I'm here, I'm 100% here. And what I think people would do well to realize at the corporate and then down level is happy, you know, people that are happy in their personal lives, they're better employees. So I hope that that's the message that that, you know, you and I and others that I know, like you said, your other regional, there are a few that are really fighting for that. And I think that's important that we talk about that more, but I would agree that, um, at least from what I hear from the clients I work with, that is the challenge is how to, even if you do go home, it's hard to turn it off, isn't it?
1: Mm -hmm. It is. And, you know, a lot of us lived on site for forever. Right. And how do you really leave it when you live on site? You know, um, I have a very good friend who owns her own business and um, she does a great job
0: yeah.
1: at working as an onsite property manager, running a very successful table skate business and being an amazing mother. She she does it all. And I've often asked her, what is the secret? And she just says, I just do it. It's pa- I'm passionate about it. Um, but what I loved about her answer is that she's passionate about that little boy. She's passionate about her side business that is growing into almost a full-time business and she's passionate about what she does from nine to six so when you find that passion and can draw it out and and rely on faith and um and friendship and support it'll work but she's really um she's an incredible inspiration to me she just
0: It's so cool to see like other, other women too. I think we, we learn from each other. Um, Cause I remember there was a time that I remember that coffee date that you and I had. And then I also remember visiting your site when you were like dressed up, looking awesome, looking so amazing, but you were out there walking your property, running around in heels in Texas weather in the summer. And I saw you excited, like we're about to do this. And so when you bring in passion, I think it's like First of all, it's contagious. So like when we can do that for our friends and our colleagues and our team, I left there and I remember telling Lauren, like, oh, I just, I I feel like refed seeing Leslie putting in that kind of work. And you were probably exhausted that day, but you were (laughs) doing it. And so I think you're right. It's like a lot of people that I see when they're getting to that spot of burnout is they've lost that passion and they might need to step back to regroup, to decide, A, can I get this passion back? And B, what do I need to do to do that? Right. So what about like just little tips and tricks I know that you, you manage some larger assets was there any kind of batching automation vendor partnerships like any little tidbits that you felt hey, at the end of my career I started to really see patterns that when I do this, it makes my life easier.
1: Um- You know, there's a lot of stuff as a manager, you cannot delegate a lot of items on your list, right? So what I found to be very helpful was those things that I had to do, I'd get them done first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times get there early, get those bills together, get them scanned in. You may not be able to code them right away, but get that done. Get all of your admin stuff that doesn't require a lot of brain or energy, Mm -hmm. just the the mundane day-to-day things, you know, and I think I also set time out to write those owner's reports and to dedicate the time to that because it was important. Um, I think setting time out for your team members to make sure that you're connecting with them every day on some sort of level, um, the, everything is automated now, right? you mentioned batching. So all of our companies are really going to some sort of like ops technology or some way to automate those invoices. I say, set them all up, get it ready. Be That is going to take so much of your time, you know, that t- t- takes so much time. It codes them, it puts them through. All you have to do is hit approve, you know, um, where I would not automate things is team members. Mm-hmm. Um making sure you're connecting with residents, that your door is open. Yes, the Instagram is great. The Facebook is fabulous. The emails you send out, all these resident portals are amazing, but it's still a human connection that these people want. And so um, you can't automate that every day.
0: Yeah, that I, gosh, I mean, so much wisdom there because how did you find time to connect with your team? Like what did connecting with your team look like? Cause I think people sometimes think it has to be a huge thing.
1: It doesn't, it needs to just, it's a, it's a very heartful, good morning. Something that's really, you know, from the heart. I'm glad to see you today. Sometimes that's all you can get out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, I need you to do this and I need you to do this, but a heartfelt, good morning, a heartfelt, thank you when they d- have done a good job. Um, but when I worked for a larger company, we did huddles. And it could have been a three-minute huddle. It could have been a 20-minute huddle. But when you call it a huddle, it kind of brings it in. It's a team. It's a team word. Um, so even if I would just huddle with the office, and I wouldn't ask them a lot of times to leave their desks, right? I would just come out to where I could talk to all of them, and we do a three-minute where are you at today? What are you doing today? How can I help? This is what I have on my, you know, again, the communication, right? This is what I have on my list. This is what you have. Um, Maintenance guys and our housekeepers. I think that good morning to them and the acknowledging them makes their day. All they want to know is that you recognize everything that they are doing for you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Celebrating them, you know, Making sure that they're remembered on their birthdays and on their work anniversaries um, is really, really important. But that daily good morning—I swear—that makes me feel like a heart of gold. Like I feel like wonderful whenever somebody says a heartfelt good morning, not just "hi." Like whatever.
0: Yes, not like "hi." I got to get to my desk, but it's like it's like I see you. I'm so happy we're in this together, Mm -hmm. and you're so right. Like yeah, we can do the big things, but it's like those little my, um, the person that runs uh, our like team, Amber, she has that we do that a lot in like Slack and video chat, since we're all remote. And I swear, like it just it builds such camaraderie to know that, you know, or so and so's husband had to go to the doctor and you take note. I mean, those are to me the things that they blow some of the bigger things we try to do out of the water, because it's like, like you said, Facebook's great, Instagram's great, but people need to know, like when when they're in front of you that you care, and that's that's huge. Yeah, being present, you know. And I think
1: um, somebody many years ago, I don't know who, gave me a list called "These Are My Favorite Things," and it's just a list that you get like when you build a team or you're a new manager to an asset, and you hand it to everybody, and they fill it out, and you really read them. You don't just stick them in a folder and put them away for their birthday. Like you read it and you see, you know what. What are things that motivate them? You know, maybe it's Reese's Pieces, or maybe it's you know Sour Patch, or maybe it's a Starbucks drink, or it's I've got a family, you know, and this is what's important. I um, heartfelt story. I had a porter on one of my deals, and we gave out the Christmas wish list for Secret Santa, and I cried when I got his Secret Santa list um, because he said, "I just want peace in the world." I wanna be with my family and I want love. And I was just like, I mean, I had to hug him. I hugged him hard that day, you know, because he was very selfless. But then I knew that that was really important. His family was in El Salvador, you know, and he was here alone living in a little efficiency apartment. He's trying to get his family here. So we learned about that and we asked questions and we tried to see what we could do. I think they're still on that journey but what you don't know is some of the stuff that people are battling inside and when they're that open when they write it down I and mean, you listen it's a
0: really important thing i think that's a beautiful man that's a beautiful uh-huh. idea and then you later know like for this man he doesn't mind working hard he's trying to get his family here and he's alone so taking a few extra minutes to ask him how he's doing makes uh-huh. such a huge difference Exactly. I always found that to be true too. Like, I loved my maintenance men. Like they had to meet the biggest hearts of gold. And I, I like you always wanted to know, like, what's the, what's the behind the reason that you're doing uh-huh. what you're doing. And, right. you know, I know why you're my avatar. Literally <laughs> uh, yesterday I recorded a reel on ways to reward your team that are not money-based And one of them was find out their favorites and surprise them with their Sonic or Starbucks drink. So like, I mean, I think you can do things like that for people and it just, it means so much. And I, I also, I mean, do you feel this way too, especially this year? Like people feel lonely. They don't feel seen. Sometimes they don't feel appreciated. And so, I mean, I'm seeing that, especially in our industry. I think so. I think so. I think it's been
1: very hard because we're all such people, people. I mean, you can't be in this industry if you don't love people. Right. We have our assistants who are great assistants and they run those books (laughs) and they're amazing, but they still love people. They still started as a leasing. They still like their residents, you know, and it was hard when a lot of us had to say, okay, well, we're on an A-B schedule, so you're going to work with so-and-so and you're not gonna see your other t- two team members for a week or whatever that schedule was, or you have to close your office because there's been a scare. You know, I know that um, I really battled it. It was, it was I, almost to a, a point of feeling um, not good enough, not like I wasn't doing enough for my community. I wasn't doing my job because I couldn't see my residents, I couldn't see my team members. And so I think a lot of us are still trying to dig out of those trenches. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's going in a positive direction. I'm really excited that everything is opening up again and that people are continuing to try to be very safe and keeping their property sanitized and they're able to go back to work and, and really do the jobs that they love to do. But I know
0: that for many people that I know,
1: it was really hard.
0: Yeah, this, I think you're right this year. um, I feel like exactly what you said beyond the, that you don't get to see people, you're feeling responsible for keeping a really big amount of people safe while you're still thinking about your own family, your own livelihood. And I think that it's like our industry takes, needs to take pause a minute and just you know tip our hats to you guys that were there every single day figuring it out and the fact that you brought up the mental struggle i think that's such a real thing that we don't talk about enough is it's a mental game that we're in because you're you know you're fighting we're humans too we get scared we get nervous and so so how do for you- i just going to say and then this ice
1: storm oh i know oh in my texas <laughs> My last day was literally the Friday before the ice, like before that happened. And I just was like, oh God, and I couldn't help but that first week wonder, like, how is my property doing? Oh, wait a minute, it's not my property anymore, you know? Um, But oh my gosh, my heart. And I've seen so many posts on 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 our Instagram group, you know, of these regionals that are just really outpouring the thanks to their teams. And I love to see that. They're, you know, some of them have just been, I mean, and you can tell they're from the heart. These regionals are just so grateful for their teams on site.
0: Yes, I love that. I've been seeing some of that too. So speaking of that, I kind of wanted to wrap with thinking, how can supervisors, how can, you know, corporate level, what can they do to support the teams during these challenging times, in your opinion, from someone being in the trenches?
1: I think answering questions that need to be answered. You know, um, our regionals also have, so, I mean, if you, we think we get a lot of emails, I I don't even know what a regionals email inbox looks like. Um, but what I think the most important thing, especially when you've got these huge deals that have major damage from the storm or from anything, right? Is answering those questions, prioritizing them. And most of them are pretty good at prioritizing them. Um, but the questions that the team really needs answered, like they cannot wait. You know, if it says urgent, please respond to that because it's, it's urgent. Right. Um, what I really appreciated about several of my RPMs was they would answer the phone. And that when they picked up when I needed them meant so much to me you know, and it means a lot to everybody, you know, when you're able to go back and give your team an answer because your regional made themselves available and they're present on their properties and they know what's going on. So you don't have to give them like the entire backstory. Yes, exactly. You know, and I think, um, that's what I really appreciated about a lot of my, a lot of my supervisors. And even as an assistant manager, my manager was always, my managers were always available. I, I was really blessed. We hear all these, um, kind of horror stories of office team members not getting along and maintenance not getting along, but in my entire career, I cannot say I worked for one team that didn't work cohesively, that I didn't work for any managers that were not just amazing. I didn't have any regionals or any, anybody that just wasn't an inspiration and wasn't, um, I, I think they were all fabulous, you know, and, um, it's because they were present and they answered the phone
0: so something and they answered their emails and they yeah and they knew what like you said what was urgent and that uh-huh. you guys are on hold because of that i think though to kind of just give my last like testament to what you said about that you've never had those situations I don't think that's by accident because all those horror stories, I don't think you evaded those because you got lucky. I really think, look, look at the common denominator that was in every one of those scenarios. It was you. And I'm not saying that it's because you're like above other people. I'm saying that it's because I think it's the approach that you took. So I think the lesson for everyone here is if you're having challenges in every single one with the people, with the team, the common denominator might be how you're viewing it and your perspective uh-huh. and i think you went into it saying i love this industry i love people there's going to be challenges but i'm going to find the inspiration i'm sure there were times some of those inspirational regionals let you down but sure you, you chose to look at what they were doing i mean just the fact that you put yourself in their shoes and said i can't imagine what their email would look like i think that is a good lesson across the board is that we're all trying to do the very best that we can. So, so tell me, what is your, what's your new adventure?
1: I am working for Tilson. Um, they are a company that's very near and dear to my husband's family. My father-in-law's dad started working for them like in 1932, 33. So we're, we're going on 90 years, 100 years of building custom homes in Texas. And then my father in law recently retired. I think the cumulative number of years with if you, if you start from when he um, started mowing the lawn at the corporate office on Yale Street here in Houston, was like fifty eight. Um, did pretty much every single job um, at Tilson. Ended up being the vice president of business relations, I believe. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, homes are my passion, and so stepping out just thought I would try to sell new homes and it's really awesome I'm having to learn how to draw them and that's anybody that knows me knows that math is not like I have to have my cheat sheets Um, but it's super exciting the company culture is amazing they're family built family owned generations our senior vice president is fourth generation Tilson family member and as I am learning about the people that we work with, they have sisters, brothers, aunts, nephews, nieces, husband, whatever. Tilson is a big family. And so I'm really excited because I think it's what I loved about multifamily was the homes and the families that you help. And so now I'm, I'm gonna help build people's dreams homes. That is so exciting. You're carrying on the legacy. I know. I told them they had to hire me, but they hadn't had a, so he retired last year, right before the pandemic. And I said, they had to hire me because they haven't had a call well on staff exactly about a year.
0: So I think that maybe was my way in. They needed to <laughs> remedy that immediately. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have loved talking with you. Is there anything else that we didn't, that we didn't cover that you want to kind of leave? You know, I want to leave
1: thanks to you you know, I mean, you were always there. I remember I would, you know, some of the toughest deals I'd call and be like, oh, or I'd email and be like, I don't know what to do here, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think our your, your um, value is immeasurable in our industry. I think there's not really a lot of marketing companies out there that take it to a personal level that really connect with their clients the way that you do. And so thanks for everything that you do I know it's going to just, you're just going to grow. And I'm sorry.
0: Are you going to uh, try to make us both cry at the end of this? I know, right? <laughs> you are always uh, I'm no, like, these fake think, lashes are going to come off. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: no, I just think, you know, I, I don't know how many people actually say thank you to you and give you the, you and Lauren the kudos because y'all really have built a great business.
0: Oh man. It's been so much fun along the way. And I, I, I love hearing it from you because yeah i told the team earlier i was like we're interviewing leslie who doesn't know she's our avatar you and there's one other person kristen i don't know if you know kristen from gray star kristen walk love her so okay you girls I are always in that little group <laughs> exactly it's because it's like y'all always were like what's the next thing what do i need to do and so we're always thinking about that and i'm so excited i I hope that things are phenomenal in this as you continue to help people build home. Because I think that's where you connect with people is, you know, homes are so important. It's like where we build our lives and having an impact there. So I can't wait for everybody to hear this. They're going to love you as much as I do. And um, I just want to thank you for spending this time together this morning.
1: Thank you. It was the best. (laughs)